Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. First Corinthians nine twenty four. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run their very best to win, but only one receives the prize? Run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. Amen. It's interesting that Paul likens the Christian life to a race. Now, the scripture says here that only one person wins the prize, but I have good news for you. In the Christian race, there is many of us that will win the prize. There's not just one winner, but everyone that finishes and finishes strong will win the prize. So there's no competition between me and you. We all have our own race to run. Amen. But let us run the race lawfully. So we could obtain the prize. Now, there are a large number of people who in the world, in Beijing, in, in, I mean, you know, Beijing and Manila and Africa and Guangzhou and all over the world, America, Canada, there's a large number of people that identify as Christian. But just because they identify Christian, there is, doesn't mean anything. There's only a remnant. There's only a number of people that are truly engaging their destiny. What Paul is saying is that if you're going to be a real Christian, you have to run the race. You have to engage your destiny, engage this race, engage this calling, this journey that you have. But a lot of people that, can, that identify themselves as Christians are not engaging anything. Amen. Unfortunately, many of men and women have signed up for the race. They have joined the race but they have just gotten sidelined somewhere along the road. And I have a picture of, of, a, of this Olympic, new Olympic sport, the Power Nap Marathon. <laughs> the, we have an Olympic runner actually in our church now. She's not here today, but the Meow Meow, she's an Olympic runner. But, you know, unfortunately, if this was an Olympic sport, I know some of you guys would be, uh, you know, the winners. Hallelujah. But, you know, you just, you, many people sign up, they join the race, they join the church, they sign the covenant agreement to be a member, uh, they, they get, ba they even get baptized. We had a guy a few weeks ago, he got baptized, and with 48 hours after his baptism, we discovered he was living with his girlfriend. And so I told him, you have to move out uh, from living with your girlfriend, you cannot do that. 
You can't live with your girlfriend and be a Christian. He said, well, I can't do that. And I said, then what was your, I mean, why did you get baptized? Like, if you know that you're not going to serve God, if you know you're not going to do what God tells you to do, if you want to kind of have your own form of Christianity and you're just going to disobey all leadership, Jesus Christ and the Bible, why would you even get baptized? Why would you waste my time? Why would you waste your time? What did you get baptized for? And he said, oh, yes, yes, Bishop, yes, yes, I know. That's not an answer. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's like this, like this pizza. I ordered a pizza when I was in the uh, Philippines. I ordered the pizza at 6.30. And five hours later, the pizza has not arrived. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting hungry now. And I'm calling for three, four hours. Where's my pizza? Where's my pizza? Unfortunately, it's my favorite pizza chain, Shakey's. Put this on TBN, please. Shakey's, I rebuke you. So I'm waiting for my pizza for five hours. And I keep calling customer service. And the customer service keeps saying, oh, yes, sir. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, Paul. Yeah, I'm sorry, sir. I said, listen, I don't need I'm sorry. I need you to bring my pizza. I can't eat I'm sorry. What is I'm sorry going to do? I accept it, but that's not going to get my pizza here any faster. So finally, when the pizza arrived, I told the, I told the guy on the phone, oh, the pizza's here now. He said, okay, we're, and once again, we're so sorry. And I said, listen, I need this pizza to be free. He said, oh, no, 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 sir. It's going to be uh, $20. I said, listen, I'm not going to pay $20 for a five-hour late pizza. I mean, you got to be kidding me. At least throw in free breadsticks and a Coca-Cola or something. He said, oh, no, no, sir, we can't do that, but I'm very, very, very sorry. So I said, you know what? What happens if I take the pizza? Are you going to call the police on me? He said, no, sir. I said, okay, that's all I want to know. So I went downstairs, and I, I, t I told the driver, I said, here, I gave him, I gave him $3. And he said, what's, what's this for? It's, it's $20. I said, this is for you. Don't tell your boss I gave it to you. This is a tip, but I'm not going to pay you for the pizza. And he said, so I took the pizza, and he said, uh, uh, but sir, but sir, you have to pay for the pizza. I said, just tell your boss I refuse to pay, and don't tell him I gave you this tip. He said, oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, I'm sorry doesn't help anything. And, you know, and, and I'm like, you know, you just got baptized. Oh, yes, pastor, I'm sorry. Well, you know. This is not the race that we're in to say I'm sorry and to make excuses. The idea is that when we join the race, we run the race lawfully. And if you make a mistake, if you fall down like this lady, she decided to stay down, that we don't decide to stay down. Amen. That you get back up and you continue to run the race. Matter of fact, the Bible says that a righteous person will fall seven times and get back up. So when we're talking about running the race and we're talking about engaging your destiny, I'm not talking about never making mistakes, never falling down, but I'm saying continue to engage your path. Continue to go forward. Continue to adjust and repent and get back up and strive to run the race lawfully. Amen. 
I have a picture in my mind of, of, a, of, of, a, of a race where there's just a bunch of people kind of laid over to the left-hand side, to the right-hand side, just kind of giving up on the race because that's what it really looks like in the church. I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I started off with a lot of people. I used to have a crew of about 15 of us, and we'd pray together and we'd fast together, we'd evangelize together. And out of those 15 people, there's only about six of us that are in church serving God. And there's only one of us that's a minister. Now, back then and back in 1998, 1997, every one of our crew, my 15 friends, we were all apostles and prophets and pastors. We thought we were. I mean, we're like, you know, we're like 21, 22, and we think we're prophets and stuff. And now we know, I realize that's ridiculous. But, but we all thought we were prophets and we're apostles and we're, 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 we're pastors and we're these great people of God, you know, even though we're all like 20s in our 20s and stuff, you know. And we all thought we had these super callings and super anointings. One of my friends even believed his name was in the Bible because my friend's name was Flame. That's his real name. His parents were a hippie. His sister's name was Sunshine. So his name was Flame Joseph. Flame Joseph. So he found out a verse in the Bible that said, um, in the house of Joseph, there shall be a flame. And he's like, whoa, bro. My name's in the Bible, bro. He said, look, look, look. Oh, bro, I'm one of the gum. So he was convinced that me and him were the two prophets in the book of Revelation. He thought we were going to be the ones to bring back Jesus Christ. And I was like, you know, brother, maybe you, but definitely not me, you know. So out of all those guys, you know, nobody is where nobody's in ministry except for me. We started off with a lot. Some of them are not even Christian anymore. Some of them are not safe. Some of them don't even turn, go to church anymore. Matter of fact, just this week, as you heard, this guy, Joshua Harris, he wrote the book, uh, Kiss Dating Goodbye. Well, I never agree with that. I believe you should date to get to know what you like, what you don't like. But anyways, he wrote this book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Famous book, made millions of dollars, living in his mansion with his nice Corvette. And now he's publicly renounced his book, denied Jesus Christ, embraces the LGBT, and says he's not a Christian anymore. Within the same week, Marty Sampson from Hillsong, one of the main Hillsong writers and singers, the guy who sang Came to My Rescue, very famous Christian song, Hillsong. One of my favorite songs, actually. Uh, you, you know that song? And you came to my rescue and I, I want to be where you are. Beautiful song. One of my favorite songs. He just also renounced his faith and renounced Christ on Instagram this week. And here... We got, because I just was spent two weeks ago, I was with Kenneth Bay. Kenneth Bay is a Korean missionary that was arrested in North Korea for preaching. He spent two years in prison being tortured and tormented and would not deny Jesus in a jail cell. Last summer, I went to have breakfast with a guy named Kevin Garrett, was arrested in Dalian, China for his ministry, spent another Two years in jail in China under sleep deprivation light torture in Dalian and would not deny his faith. And here we got these Western, white, rich, in their mansion superstars, Christian pop culture superstars, denying their faith from their jacuzzi. 
And we have a Korean guy in his jail cell being beaten and tortured and will not deny his faith. And another pastor here in Dalian being light sleep deprivation for two years and will not deny his faith. But here we got these Christian superstars in their mansions saying, I've come to find that I don't believe in Christ anymore. How ridiculous is that? How many people start the race but never finish the race? I want to encourage you today. It's not how you start the race, but it's how you finish. My point is, is that when I was 18, 19, 20, we were all zealous for Jesus. We were all gung-ho for God. We were all on fire. We were all bishop and apostle and prophet this and that. And now they're nowhere to be found. One of my best friends growing up, he don't even have a Facebook page. No, if you're not on Facebook, you're actually not a human being. You don't exist, actually. <laughs> he don't even have a Facebook page. Come on, you need to get saved, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Nowhere to be found, not in church, not serving God. He don't have to have a Facebook, I'm just joking. But, but, you know, he's nowhere to be found, not in church. We were all zealous. There is no reward for starting the race. There's no reward for getting baptized, taking foundations, becoming a member. There's, there's no reward. That's just your start. But we're not going to make it to heaven based upon our start. Hallelujah. We're going to make it to heaven based upon how we finish. Amen. Everyone joins the gym with good intentions. How do you think the gym makes all that money? The reason why gyms make a lot of money and every time you go there, there's not that many people and they only pay 30 bucks. How do they pay for this big gym? It's because there's thousands of people in the invisible, unseen realm that have membership cards that came for two weeks after they signed up. And they in China, you prepay. You prepay for the year or for two years, amen. In America, they just they they you sign a contract and they get your debit card and they just deduct from you. So even if you're not going, they deduct from you. But in China, you prepay one year, two years, and I I've been guilty of that myself. I, I have a couple different gym membership cards. <laughs> I have a collection of them, you know, amen. But gyms, people always start off with this gym membership. They buy the Nike headband. They get the Nike shoes, they get the, the Nike shorts, they get the sweat, the sweat things, and, and they get all the outfit. They even buy an Apple watch so they could pace their steps. They sign up for the gym, and two weeks later, they're nowhere to be found. Amen. People get golf memberships, buy all the equipments, buy the clubs, and their clubs just collect dust. The clubs become a piece of furniture in the house. Amen. How many people start off zealous but never finish? How many people start school? You know the first day of school? I don't know if you guys remember, but when I was young, the first day of school, we had our brand new backpack and your fresh clothes and your fresh gym shoes. And your first day of school was like 
That was the day where you were like, you're going to model your new shoes and model your new gear, your new, I'm a little bit older than you. We had FUBU and things like that, you know. Or when I was younger, we had uh, colors. Colors was some of the clothes we had. And we wanted the, our Martin Jabot jeans. And so we get our best clothes, our best jeans, our best gym shoes. And we would, our first day of school was so exciting. But by the end of the school, you're stressed out and you don't want to do your homework and you got to get your grades in. And there's no reward for starting well. We all start well. But how are you going to finish? From the beginning of your Christian walk, you have to determine that you are going to finish from the beginning. Amen. When you begin to sign up for foundation, how many people... Don't even make foundation class. We used to have a 10-week foundation class. We had to cut it to five. Because usually by the fifth week, people start disappearing. Some people can't even make it to five weeks. How many people cannot finish? But when I took my foundation class, I determined, 1997, I'm going to finish. I'm going to memorize these 33 scriptures. I'm going to finish the class. When I first got saved, I got saved from drugs and alcohol. I was a drug addict and an alcohol, uh, alcoholic. And I got saved in the what's called Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a 12-step program to help you get clean. And when I got saved and I started going to these meetings for 12 steps, I would hear how this guy fell off, this guy backslid, this guy. We called it relapse. This person relapsed back into heroin. This person relapsed back into cocaine. This person relapsed back into alcohol. So the one thing that I thought when I was young, just starting off, is how do I not become like them? How do I go to the end? How do I get five years, 10 years, 20 years clean? How do I, I'm, how do I de determine now and guarantee now that I will not be like them, that I will be the one that succeeds? God wants you to determine that you are going to be saved 10 years from now. You're going to be in church five years from now. You're going to become what God's called you to be. You're going to finish your degree. You're going to finish your, your assignment. You're going to complete your classes. You're going to finish your coursework. You're going to succeed. Psalms 91 says, a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come nigh me. How can you guarantee that you will be here five years from now? Not here in Anna, but here in the kingdom serving God. The way you do that is you predetermine, I'm going to survive. I'm going to commit. I'm going to follow through. I'm going to finish this race. Amen. I'm going to be the one who makes it to finish this race. If you determine that, you are ahead of everybody else. Hallelujah. Amen. We have to have the finish line in our mind. The Bible says that Jesus was able to endure the cross because of the joy that was set before him. Jesus could see his resurrection. He could see nations coming to him and, and millions and masses coming to him and, and being born again and being saved. So he can see the end result. And because he had the end result in clear focus, can you say clear focus? Because he had the end result in clear focus, he can persevere, hallelujah. I had a lady just, just recently, a couple days ago, she sent me a message. She said, Bishop, can you send me money for my tuition? 
And I said, well, we have people in our own church that probably need tuition. I said, and I, I you know, I, I, gotta, I, I don't have money to give you. I'm sorry. And if I did, I don't know who you are. I, if, I, if I do have extra money, I need to bless people in my church and in my circle and people that we know. And I felt sad because this sister is not the only one to ask me that. I've been asked that this year by 30 students, kids in Wuhan, kids in Guangzhou, kids in Hefei, kids in, in Xi'an, kids all over the country always asking me for money. I guess I look rich. Hallelujah. My son says, my son says, you know, I look rich. I just don't have the money yet. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, I don't mind them asking, and I wish I could help them all. I wish I could pay everyone's tuition. That'd be a blessing. Maybe one day when I'm like Rockefeller, I'll have a tuition foundation. Hallelujah. And help the kids in China study. Amen. But you know what? I know hard times happen on people. We had a guy, Lennon, in our church. He was here finishing up his master's degree or PhD, whatever, and last semester ran out of money, couldn't finish and pay. And had to go back to Zimbabwe. And now I think he's back finally years later. He's back somewhere in South China, Nanjing, I think, finishing up. But I know hard times happen upon us. I know we have difficulties. Sometimes we don't get the scholarship. Sometimes things don't work out that we thought they would work out. Sometimes, you know, we had jobs. And, but the only way we can survive these hard times is if we are determined, I'm going to survive. I'm going to make it. I'm going to finish it no matter what. I went to college, I'm a prime example, and you guys heard this story a million times. I went to college with no money, no scholarship, I'm an orphan, no parents, I had nothing, and I went to college. And I had to believe God, and I had to pray my way through. And when I was in college, even though I, I, eventually God provided for my tuition, I still had no money to eat. So I hustled and I worked my way through. I cut hair for people. I never cut hair a day in my life. And this guy's walking down the hallway, and he said, does anybody know how to cut hair? I said, oh, yeah, I do. $20. He said, well, my girlfriend's coming. I want to get a haircut. I said, bro, I'm good. Trust me. So <laughs> it's a true story. So I, I said, come on, come on. Let's go to the bathroom. Come on. And I don't, know, I don't know where I got the clippers from. I think I borrowed them from the women's dormitory. So I come in, I got the clippers, and I'm like, all right, what do you want? Tell me what you want, you know? And I'm just acting real confident, you know? And he's like, well, you know, I want you to just kind of fade me up on the side here. By the time I was done, it looked like he had a haircut from a Chinese barber. <laughs> and he said to me, oh, thank you. He said to me, he said, oh, Joey? He said, it looks kind of funny here. I said, no. I said, that's the style. That's the way everybody's wearing it like that now. I'm like, trust me, when your girlfriend sees you, man, she's going to be all over you. I said, trust me, trust me. <laughs> oh, I cut hair. I would pick up chores for people because in the dorm, you had to wash toilets and clean the baseboards. Everyone had a chore. So I would hustle and I would say, hey, listen, I'll, I'll vacuum the floors for you for $5. I'll, I'll clean the boards for you, $3. And I just started, you know, people started paying me to do their chores. Then I started taking notes, selling notes. Then I was helping people with their midterm papers and their fine. They would say, oh, you know, I need, to, I need to do my thesis. I said, listen, I'll do your thesis for you, $200. And they say, okay. And they give me all their books. They give me like five, six books. And I'd just be up all night reading all the books, reading all the books, reading everything. And I'd write up their papers. They were the ones committing a crime, not me. 
Amen. I said, shame on you. Give me the money. Give me your books. Hallelujah. Amen. And I was making a few thousand dollars a semester. I was eating good. I never, I didn't lose any weight. I was eating good. I had money. I was taking people out. I had clothes. And I had no, no, see, because where I was, there was no work. There was no jobs there. Our school was in a cornfield. There was nothing around. So I hustled within there. Just right in there, cutting people's hair, doing their chores, typing up notes, helping them study, helping them with their papers. I was determined, I'm going to go to school, and I'm going to provide, and I'm going to have my tuition paid. I was determined that no matter what, I'm going to succeed, and I also said I'm going to get straight A's. During all that time, I got straight A's, and I worked hustling and then eventually I got a job after about two years I got a job and I was working eight hours a night on the third shift in the prayer center at the church so I would work from 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. then 8 a.m. I go to school and I sit in school to 12 a.m. have lunch to go back to another class at one o'clock to two or three o'clock then I would sleep from three or four three or four o'clock to about seven eight p.m. I get up and go back to work again and I worked and I sacrificed and I hustled and I cut hair and I did notes and I worked all night I didn't sleep at night and I committed that I was going to finish and not only was I going to finish I was going to finish with straight A's now finish with straight A's but you see I was somebody that got all F's I was the only one in my school every year from first grade through high school that got F F F F F all the way down every year f f f f f f f f f f i thought f meant fantastic there was no one in the school my teacher said i've never had a student in my whole career that had straight f's that's the student that i was but when i got saved i said i'm going to get straight a's so i went from being the stupidest kid in the class where i would just hang out on the back of the class and make farts like with my hands like this and I just make farts with my hands, and then people would laugh at me, and I was just a class clown. And I would just make jokes and laugh and a class clown, and I just, the teacher just failed me, failed me, failed me every grade. When I was younger, I just blew farts and played toys. When I was older, I chased girls and smoked marijuana. Either way, I never did any study. The teachers thought I was dumb. They put me in a special education for retarded kids. I was in the retarded kid class. So, but when I got saved, I said, I'm going to get straight A's because I have the mind of Christ. Come to find out I wasn't retarded. I actually just didn't have any loving, caring parents to help me, to teach me to study. Amen. So once I was in an atmosphere where I had now Christ in my life and I said, I, and I had a purpose and I had a destiny, then I got straight A's. Amen. So my point is this. You have to determine whether you have no money, whether you're dumb, whether you had, they said I had ADHD, they said, I, you know, I had some mental handicaps. None of that stopped me from engaging my destiny. Hallelujah. Now I have a doctrine divinity. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take a look here at 1 John. 1 John chapter Two. I have it on my PPT actually too. First John 2 verses 18 through 20. Now I share my testimony with you to say I'm not 
uncompassionate for these students that are calling me up asking for money because I was there too. I had no father. I had no mother. I had no money. All I had was faith in God and I made it. And I know if God do it for me, God will do it for them. But if we're easy to quit, to give up, and to go back home, then we will lose out on what God has for us. Amen. First John 2, 18 through 20 says this. Children, it is the last hour, the end of this age. And just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, the one who will oppose Christ and attempt to replace him, even now many Antichrist, false teachers, have appeared, which confirms our belief that it is the it, it is the last hour. They, they went out from us, seeming at first to be Christians, but they were not really of us because they were not truly born again and spiritually transformed. For if they had been truly born again, for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us but they went out teaching false doctrine so that it would be clearly shown none of them are of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have been set apart, specially gifted, prepared by the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth because he teaches us, illuminates our minds, and guards us from error. How many people started off with Paul? How many people started off in the early church? And they get off into some goofy teachings, heretical doctrines, self-exalted opinions. Well, my, my sister used to always say, well, I just think, I don't want to hear what you just think. What does the Bible say? There's nowhere in the Bible that says, well, if you just think, then of course you're right. Once you become a Christian, there's no longer, well, I just feel and I just think or in my opinion. No, it's what does the word of God say? Oftentimes when you get into counseling with couples, uh, he said this and she said that and he said this. And, you know, and, and the idea is these, one of the, the husband and wife, they want you to take somebody's side. But you see, we have to understand it's not who is right, he or she or me or you. It's not who is right. It's what is right. And the word of God is what is right. And if, and if she don't line up with the word, if he don't line up with the word, or two conflicting parties with different opinions, if they don't line up with what the word of God says, then you have to make a course adjustment. Amen. The standard is the word of God. And so many people, well, I feel like this, and I think this, and they deter from the word of God, and they end up, on the side of the marathon, no longer running the race. We had to stop the recording at that point, but you might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, 
I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. You know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way. Like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, when I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. And his way is the right way because he made you. And he made you for a purpose. And he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. I'd like you to contact me. And we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life. Because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something. Or maybe we know some pastors there that can follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening, and feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the Word of God.